Welcome to another episode of Life Across Borders, a World Relief miniseries. In this episode, you'll hear from World Relief's Basuze Madogo and PJ Moore. Basuze was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. He was resettled in the United States in 2014 and currently works as a resettlement specialist at World Relief Memphis, where PJ serves as the office director. Today, their friend and colleague, Karen Spencer, talks with them about how the fluctuating refugee ceiling has impacted local offices and what they are doing to rebuild welcome with the recent refugee ceiling increase. Listen in. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today. My name is Karen Spencer, and I work on the marketing team at World Relief. And I previously served as the mobilization director at World Relief in Memphis. And I'm thrilled today to be catching up with my friends, PJ Moore and Bazuzi Madogo. PJ and Bazuzi, welcome. Thanks, Karen. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, it's so fun to be able to reconnect with you, but not only me personally, but to introduce you to so many other people. But back at the beginning of May, the Biden administration announced that it would be raising the U.S. refugee ceiling to 62,500. And in a minute, we'll hear more from you about how that new number is impacting world relief and the refugee communities at the local level. But first, I just want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. So let's start with you, PJ. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do at World Relief, and how long you've been here? Sure, yeah. Uh, thanks for creating the space, Karen, and, and having us on. Uh, I came to World Relief in 2012, right when the office was opening here in Memphis, actually at the invitation of local churches here in Memphis to um, open, open doors here. I was actually fortunate to be serving overseas in Kenya, working alongside a local church to meet some tangible needs of the community, uh, to, to ministry to orphans and those with special needs, uh, doing some sustainable agriculture projects and other ministries to vulnerable populations. And I was moving back to the United States and I moved to Memphis and learned that World Relief was opening. And I just knew God was calling me to that that intersection of the local church and local community needs. And so uh, through some prayer and discernment and God really providing the opportunity, uh, I actually didn't know many people in the city and, and felt very fortunate on, on God's timing there that the, the job opened up. And so I was actually hired as an employment specialist when the office was opening to help new families and, and employers connect for those first jobs in the US. And then I came into this role as the office director in January 2017, right, as the resettlement program was really seeing a lot of drastic change in the U.S. Yeah, no, I remember that time clearly with you as well, PJ. How about you, Bazuzi? Can you tell us a little bit about your story and uh, even before you came to the United States, but specifically when you came to the U.S. and what led you to come here as well? Thank you, Karen. Sure. Uh, I moved to the United States. That was in 2014. Uh, I was a refugee in South Africa. But first, before I moved to South Africa, I also lived in Mozambique uh, for almost nine years. And so all that started uh, when the war broke into our country, 1996. So we fled, that was in October, to a refugee camp in Tanzania. Uh, we spent there a couple of years. Then things started looking better. So we decided to return back home. And after a few months, uh, the war started again, that in 1998, 
we went back to the same refugee camp uh, in, in Tanzania. And in 2002, uh, my brother was living in Mozambique. He invited me to live with him there. So I left my parents in a refugee camp uh, with other siblings. So I went and started living with my brother uh, in Mozambique. So there I stayed uh, for almost nine years. And there was another brother who was living in South Africa alone. Um, so he invited to live with him there. Uh, so I moved to stay with him in South Africa. And from there, I applied for the settlement program. Um, and then we were qualified. And in 2014, uh, we came to um, United States straight to Memphis. And from that, I was resettled through World Relief. And after that, we I started getting uh, volunteering uh, with some of my fellow refugee in the community. And that's when I came to know World Relief. That's so interesting. And Bazizi, you know, just going back to that time, you said you were resettled to the United States. World Relief was the agency who welcomed you here in Memphis. You were volunteering. Um, but then you went on staff. Could you explain a little bit what your role is today? Yes, uh, that after almost a couple of years, I was kind of like a little bit involved, not officially volunteer, but working with other fellow uh, refugees in the community, helping with uh, transportation, interpretation, and that I came to get closer uh, with World Relief. So when this opportunity came up, so they reached out to me and I said yes. And since that period, that was 2016, so when I, I joined the team as a resettlement specialist, and up today, I'm still serving as resettlement specialist. Well, we're so glad that you said yes. Yes. <laughs> PJ, you were on staff as an employment specialist, you said, around that same time when Bazuzi arrived. What do you remember about first meeting Bazuzi? Yeah, I remember meeting Bazuzi and his brother when they came and we sat down for an employment intake where we were filling out paperwork and reviewing their education background, their work history, and, and creating some goals together around short-term and long-term goals. And I remember discussing their backgrounds and putting together this, this fact that they've lived a lot of life and they're about my age. They've seen a lot. They have family really in a lot of different places. And they've undergone really extraordinary circumstances um, in about the same amount of lifespan I had. And just noticed this combination of faith and resolve and courage uh, and just this desire to succeed and build a future in the States. And I remember one story I'd be remiss not to share. I remember, Basuze, we were going to your first day of work in the U.S. as you and your brother, and we found the job in a warehouse. I think it was repairing laptops, and it was a decent wage. It was um, there was some opportunity, you know, good hours, opportunity maybe for some growth. And I remember we got everything lined up. You went through the interview process and we got your first starting day. It was a morning shift and take our, our clients and we found job placements. I like to go on the first day, just to make sure everything goes smoothly. The night before it was snowing and I was a little nervous because the, maybe the warehouse wasn't going to be open. What was going to happen to the shift time? You know, are we going to have to drive in the driving snow to your, to your job in the morning? And sure enough, the job was happening. We, we had your first day. I remember we met in your apartment complex. It was like 4.30 or 5 in the morning. It was still dark. 
and it was it was it was frozen everything was frozen over that night and i was pretty scared because the roads were slick you all had a car i believe um and i was just following along in my car and but i remember before we left the apartment i was pretty nervous and Batuta, you offered a prayer for us um and for safety uh, and for success on your first day and i remember we drove down together and i was just thinking man this is not the first obstacle these brothers have experienced um, this is one step along the way, one obstacle along the way. And again, it's faith and courage and resolve to take that next step. And that was something you guys taught me that morning as I was pretty nervous uh, going into that first day of work. That's a great story of recollection, PJ. Bazuzi, I wonder if you recall your first time meeting PJ. We met, I think, um, in the office during the intake, but one thing that I remember very well is when we went to a uh, first job interview. This was a, a staff agency and PJ wasn't there, but we went with other employment specialists. And one thing that I remember, we got this job, and but we didn't have a transportation. And then uh, this employment specialist called PJ and said, oh, Bazuzi and his brother were offered the job, but it's very fine. We don't have transportation. So PJ said, just accept it. We didn't have any clue where we're going to get transportation. He just said, get, accept that job. And we went on and completed all the onboarding and everything went perfectly. So when we get back to the office and PJ didn't have any clue where to, <laughs> to, to find the transportation. And that when then we, they started brainstorming, like how uh, they reach out to friends, volunteers, and they made this huge list and of people that will be providing transportation for us for the entire month. And that was so nice. So we had people taking us to work in the morning and some others will come pick up in the evening. And that period was, the weather was not very good. It was snowing. Um, and we were told that in Memphis doesn't snow that much. And, but, and people were not experiencing driving uh, in the snow in Memphis. So that's uh, the particular moment that I remember PJ, the way um, he used his faith, his faith to, for our best, as I can say. And we started that job. And yeah, that's, I can say that that was how uh, we, I remember the first time we met with PJ and how something that happened that I still recall up to now. That's great to hear that so much has changed during the same time frame that Bazuzi, you were welcomed and then joined staff. A lot of changes, not only in Memphis, but across the United States and refugee resettlement, a huge reduction in the number of refugees resettled in the US. How has this affected you, PJ, you know, as office director and the Memphis team and even the refugee communities that you're serving through World Relief in Memphis? Yeah, I think. Some of those massive changes had an effect on the families we were serving, uh, the local church here in Memphis, and, and then obviously as well as our team. It meant that families that were new to Memphis were potentially continuing to be separated from families that they had been separated from because of maybe conflict or some administrative challenges in the refugee resettlement process overseas. Um, and they had to then wait longer or, or even wrestle with that fear of never being reunified again. It was a very scary time and a really uncertain time. Um, it was also uh, difficult, I think, for families. We saw a lot of families just really feeling discouraged and unwelcomed in our nation. 
um, and that was uh, difficult to see. And, and we had um, community members and, and volunteers and staff coming around families and, and just being a ministry of presence and uh, amidst a really scary, challenging time. And then also for our office, we had to close some programs. We had to reduce our staff, um, really even despite the administrative requirements main, being maintained um, with we were receiving reduced um, funding, um, but that, that administrative challenge still, still being present um, was definitely something for us to navigate. Now those are, are great examples of actually having to walk through, you know, policies impact people. So how about you, Bazuzi? How have the last few years affected you personally and then others, you know, who are waiting to be resettled? You've got family members and friends who are personally impacted by this as well. Yes, that's true. Those past four years, it was really challenging as a former refugee. I know really what it means being in the position of waiting to go to a resettlement country to start over, uh, to, to have a new life. So with that for those four years, uh, we had so many people, friends, as you mentioned, um, relatives and family that were also hoping to join us here. But things changed suddenly and they had to wait longer and has others even lose hope if they will make it one day. So not only that, even our office, uh, as PJ mentioned earlier, that really impacted us, not only our staff, that we had to reduce capacity uh, because we're not able uh, to continue uh, saving the number that we're planning to save. Uh, because I remember the, uh, the other administration were planning to, to bring in uh, new refugees, almost, I think, if I'm not wrong, 110,000. And we started building capacity at that period of time. And over the sudden, things changed. So we have to reduce the staff. And mentioned about families, we had other families that were already here um, that some of the children, wives, husband were still behind hoping to rejoin, to reunite. But with all that, uh, it didn't happen. So they had to wait longer. Uh, so really that affected not only people who have who were already here in United States, even those who they've been more than two decades in refugee camps that they cannot go back home and they are not being given that opportunity to integrate in society in those countries where they are. You know, you mentioned some being separated as long as 20 years. Bazuzi, you know, we can reflect back on the pandemic and think how we've been separated from some family members maybe for some months or a year, but to think of that reality is so sobering. You briefly mentioned a sort of flip-flop that happened with the new presidential administration in the U.S. Originally, they had committed to raising the refugee ceiling to 110,000, but then in April, they backtracked and said they wouldn't be raising it at all. Thankfully, they have since reversed course again and did, in fact, raise the ceiling. But can you talk a little bit about how that affected you personally? I know, Bazuzi, you had some family members who were planning to be resettled in the U.S. and reunited, and that indecision really affected them. Sure. Um, my brother's wife and our sibling, uh, they had their flight canceled back in March. And because we had already uh, received all the information, the date and the time that we were supposed to arrive. And a few days later, we received 
and they noticed that their flight were cancelled. So we communicate with them and that was really devastating. I remember my brother had to move to a new space, bigger than where he was, uh, he was living, just to prepare for his wife. And they had to buy new things uh, for his new uh, home because just in preparation for his wife arrival. And so with that news, so it was really bad for him. It was really devastating. On the flip side, you know, at the start of our conversation, I mentioned how President Biden has recently increased the refugee ceiling to 62,500 for the rest of this fiscal year. So what was your reaction to that news, Bazizi? Yeah, that was a wow. Uh, in the past <laughs> months before uh, he announced that news, we've been advocating and we're praying a lot. And so that was really uh, excited news that we received. So with that news, uh, it's revived their hope that they, they are coming soon. And thank God, uh, some of them, uh, we have already received um, their arrival date that, and we started preparing for them. So I can oh, say- that's so encouraging. <laughs> yes, yes, I can say uh, the pain um, that they felt at that particular moment when their flight uh, were canceled. But with this news, I think it outweighed that pain I know there were some other refugee in Burundi and in Malawi that they were already moved um, from their refugee camp to a near city where they should wait for their departure. Uh, they had to return back in the refugee camp. So after giving away their belonging, their home, their house, so they had to start over. But when we uh, we share we shared with them about this news. They were happy and they even forgot the pain that we're going through because they had this new hope that with this number that was raised, there is a big possibility that they will be among those people that will be admitted in the United States. I love how you say that it revived their hope. Um, you, you mentioned even some references as a resettlement specialist, too. How has this news really affected your work now as a case manager and resettlement specialist, especially as you're serving families who've been separated? Yeah, currently we are building capacity and working with um, volunteer and, uh, and churches so just to prepare a welcoming environment. And we hope um, this summer we'll be receiving many refugees and we're trying to do all our best uh, when they will come we'll be ready and prepared for them to offer uh, the best service. PJ how about for you as an office director what does this increased ceiling mean for you and for World Relief? Yeah it means we get to welcome families that have fled really challenging circumstances to our city. It means we get to see families reunified like the Suze was referencing. Um, it means we get to invite more church partners into the work of being welcoming. We get to work with a, a wide network of agencies across the city to build a welcoming community in that environment that the Suze referenced. And really what it means is we get to see restoration cultivated throughout our community. As we're inviting volunteers in and, and partners, um, not only are we getting to see kind of that stability and integration begin to take place with new families, we also get to see people find and kind of rediscover what it means to be a good neighbor. That's really exciting. What types of things are you actually doing to prepare for that increase locally? 
Yeah, we are uh, praying for families that will be joining us uh, as they prepare to move across borders and, and enter a, a new place. Um, praying for them as they make that transition. We're praying for our partners, local churches, to continue to respond to the call to be welcoming and, and build a welcoming community. We're hosting community meetings, inviting our housing partners, our health partners, our partners in education and employment, and really making sure that we're prepared to, to welcome the uptick and arrivals that we are going to see. Um, and then also internally, we're preparing when it comes to staffing in our office space and the vehicles we use, um, adjusting our budgets and making sure we have all the proper um, things that we need as well as getting the word out about donations we'll need. That's exciting just to think of all of the steps that are finally being undertaken to be actively rebuilding in a network of welcome. Kuzizi, outside of World Relief, we know, I know personally that you're so involved in the community, but could you just describe a little bit of, of how you're serving in the Memphis community, in the refugee community around Memphis, and even other parts of the United States? Yes, uh, what do we... When I first arrived in Memphis, I uh, was among first Congolese refugees, Central Africa refugees. And so I saw many other refugees coming. And with that, I get connected with them, like showing them how things work here and just to easy their transition uh, to life in this new country. So that made me really connected to many folks. And also I serve in the church, Christ Communities and Network of House Church. And we have this African parish. So I'm a leader there. So with that position has placed me in life of many. And so that's how I'm really involved in my community here in Memphis. And not only that, uh, we also had other things that happened back home. And last year we had disaster happening back home. And as a community leader, I had mobilized people and how we can also respond, uh, providing something to those people uh, who are in need. And uh, last month, there was a volcano eruption in Congo in one of the most zones that there have been conflict. Uh, so we also started doing something, uh, putting money together. I know it's very hard. We cannot solve those problems, but we also have to do something. So we started that and we are putting some money together and we look one of the church that will work together over there and so that they can help those people who are affected. So that's how I'm involved in my community here in Memphis and somewhere else around the world. That's such a great example, Bazizi, of how life continues across borders, um, how you're leading here in the community and how that still impacts lives, people you're connected with back home in refugee camps, in the Congo, in various parts of the country as well. I'm so thankful that both of you were able to be here today, that we could reconnect like this. And I know that not only have I learned some new things by reconnecting, I know so many other people will really um, have great value from hearing from both of you. So we continue to celebrate with you and pray with you as you rebuild capacity in Memphis, but for World Relief, all of our offices across the U.S., um, and come alongside refugees and other immigrants as they rebuild their lives here in America. Thanks so much, Bazuzi. Thank you, PJ. And we look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you so much Thanks for having us. For having us. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Life Across Borders. To learn more about World Relief and get involved, visit www.worldrelief.org. And join us on social media. We are at World Relief on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.